Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At homethreads.com, Discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for didn't I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. I always say the first step to kind of making that as successful as you can is swapping dry sugars for dry and liquids for liquids, which is to say do not take a cake that runs entirely on white granulated sugar and try and put honey in it. Hey, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. And this is Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding families because man, kids need to eat a lot. And frequently, too. Ooh, Stacey, how are you this week? I'm good. It's chilly. It's fall. Like, this is, like, we're in the part of fall that I love in New York. It's like, all right, I'm done. I accept that summer's over. And the weather's nice. The leaves are changing. And it's not winter yet. (laughs) (laughs) Basically the best time of year. It is. I like it. Almost Halloween. So there's a lot of excitement, a ton of excitement. What are your boys going to be? You know, it's always a last minute thing here, man. Drives me crazy because I'm a planner. Last minute. I'm like sweating. I'm like, you guys, I'm going to end up because I like to just order everything. And like in New York, the Halloween places are like ravaged. I mean, think about like Target at the end of a weekend times 10. It's bananas. I cannot even imagine. I like to avoid Target for Halloween costumes for that very reason. 
Um, and I think I've shared, I shared this in maybe episode 10 that my daughter like ordered her Halloween costume stuff in September and she has flip-flopped and we've ordered like different things to go with the little leotard and shoes she's bought like three times now. She's like, I'm a bat. I'm a witch. I need a witch hat. I need bat wings. I need a wand because now I'm a magical fairy witch bat. So cute. But we should share, um, like, over the weekend, I guess, is Halloween on a Monday? Our photos. I mean, our didn't I just feed you Instagram stories of what our kids dressed up as when we okay, have a full definitely. report back? It's going to be, whatever it is, it's going to be funny because usually it's so last minute that it's very hodgepodgey. Yes. Those <laughs> are my boys. favorite. That's what we used to do when I was a kid. It was like, <laughs> what can you ter- make out of the closet or get at Goodwill? We're not buying costumes for one night. And I have to admit that this year, I also don't know what I'm going to be, but I do love dressing up. And part of my problem is that I change my mind every two seconds. And I hate saying this. This is not in keeping with my general personality or ethos, but I just want to be something like attractive this year. <laughs> I don't mean like sexy. I'm not talking like sexy Halloween. That is not my jam. Like that but offends like cute. me. Yeah. But like every year I'm something like, crazy. And I just like, I don't want to be crazy this year. (laughs) Like I'm like a crazy zombie or like, uh, you know, Oliver's shark attack victim or I don't know. So I just want to be like something just relaxed. How about you? What are you going to be? I don't know. This is the first year where I'm like, maybe I want to be one of those moms who wears like a themed holiday (laughs) t-shirt. I don't, I don't know why. I think it's because like on Instagram, you get those ads for like Saturday morning pancakes or whatever. Those cute little like t-shirt companies with the graphic tees. Do you need me to run the didn't I just feed you Instagram account for a while? So I don't impulse buy like holiday. I'm doing, you know what, Stacey, forget you. Do you need a break? I I'm you guys listeners all the themed t-shirts now. <laughs> listeners it's happening. Just if you see you, if you see a shift in the vibe <laughs> of the didn't I just feed you Instagram account, you know why it's now. It's because Stacy's trying to rescue me. It's from because myself. Megan just needed a little break. <laughs> okay, but on the anyway. real, but on the real, um, <laughs> before we dive into what's digging, it is my birthday week, which is always like super distracting to me because I I like I'm obsessed with birthdays. I think they're super fun. And I like to make a big deal out of like celebrating and treating myself to all the things. I'm gonna treat myself to a Halloween themed graphic tea. <laughs> Love it. Okay, before it's great to talk. It's like perfect to talk about Halloween and how we're going to have this like huge influx of candy in our yeah. lives next week because we just had a great interview last week with Jill Castle about sugar and how we can handle sugar at home with our kids. And today we have just in guests. time to feel guilty about yes. all the sugar they'll be she eating. She does a great go listen because she makes you not feel guilty it's and she true. has some real world tips to make it better. Um, but our guest today is Shauna Siever and she'll be talking to us about how we can bake with less sweetness, which is, or less sugar, I should say, still sweetness, which is great before the holidays and before, like right after all the Halloween candy. But before we dive into our interview, let's do uh, what we're digging. Every week, Stacy and I share one new kitchen or food thing that we're loving. It can be a product, a trick, a technique, 
anything that's making life easier or more delicious. Stacey, what are you digging this week? Okay, I'm going to be really quick because we kind of carried on there. And actually, I have a little bit of a twist on what I'm digging this week. So I've recently rediscovered my food processor. Mm. I'm using it a lot again. I kind of put it away for a while and I just didn't want to take it out from underneath my cabinet. But when I moved back into my kitchen after the renovation a few months ago, I put it in a more convenient place and I've been taking it out and um, just using it more to chop faster, to grate faster. Um, all the parts of dishwasher safe. So I'm realizing that it really was a matter of where it was placed and just like bringing it up from the cabinet and putting it back was really the the hump that I was having trouble getting over. But it's an old one. Like it's a old Cuisinart. It still works perfectly well, but it's not like I'm out here recommending a particular brand or that it's like working some sort of modern magic. So I'm going to kind of put it out there to you guys and uh, on our Facebook group. Ooh, um, yeah, if you guys love, if you have a like new food processor that you love, that's really affordable, that's compact, anything in particular you want to tell us about, hop on to facebook.com backslash didn't I just feed you and tell us. Also, while you're on our Facebook page, you can always look for our Facebook group specifically for our listeners. It's private. There's a super secret question that you're asked to join us. And the answer answer is is whiskey. Whiskey. (laughs) There you go. So what are you digging this week? This is sort of like outside the kitchen, but I'm going to go for it anyways, because I can relate it back to life in the kitchen. I am digging bounce aerobic classes i've been doing them stacy knows because i'm i like texture and i'm like i almost (laughs) died in my bounce class tonight it's like where you go and you do aerobics on a mini trampoline for 30 minutes 45 minutes some classes are an hour and i think it is the most fun exercising i have had in years it's not too serious. You're kind of like bouncing around. Everyone else's. You get really sweaty. It's really fun. They like play great playlists. And what it does for me is like relieves a lot of stress, especially as we're heading into the holidays. I think that's super important for us as moms, as parents to take care of ourselves before we reach burnout. And like having that twice a week little adventure by myself to go just like have so much fun brings me back to the kitchen with a better attitude and feeling better about the week ahead. So I love bounce that. Pass, I have to look fun. to see if they have that in Brooklyn. I'm sure they do. You know who I start? I follow Busy Phillips on Instagram and mm-hmm. she's always doing these bounce aerobics class. So when the little studio near my house, it's called Viva Fit Boise opened up. I was like, yes, I'm going to go do it. And it's also been really good moms for my pelvic floor. If you have any issues there, I won't get TMI about it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's super issues. Raising my hand. Our guest this week is Shauna Siever. Shauna is a cookbook author, baking blogger, television and radio contributor, and mom of two. Whoa, it's a lot. Shauna has written three sweets-related cookbooks, including Real Sweet, where she walks home bakers through alternative sweeteners in their kitchen. And today she's going to talk to us about how we can use alternative sugars and less sugar in cooking and baking with our kids. 
Mishana, you're a food writer whose cookbooks have mostly been about home baking, including the book that you're working on right now. How do you handle sugar and treats with your kids at home? Didn't I just feed you is like a no judgment zone. And we have listeners who are like, they kids get all the sugar and then some who are really strict about sugar and treats. <laughs> well, I am, I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, I have a very, uh, I wish I had a more consistent philosophy about sugar, but the fact of the matter is when it's part of your work, it's kind of always around. So my kids definitely have sweet teeth. I do. My husband does. There is always something around the house. It's not going to be like a pack of Oreos, but you know, like yesterday we had two different sheet cakes in the kitchen. And then when it was after dinner and what do you want for dessert? You want apple or chocolate? Like how many kids in the neighborhood get a choice of cake on a, you know, Wednesday? Right. So that said, you know, the way my kids sort of interact with sugar is, is different than other kids might. There are some days where I think I adjust it. You know, I think about it. Like it depends. Am I having a virtuous day? Am I a day where I'm like, I'm going to watch my carbs and I'm going to work out and I'm going to have, you know, and so I'm really trying to like get my family on track to make up for all the sugar we eat. So on those days, I like to think I'm, I'm a little more on top of it, you know, have your fruit and your protein after school and that sort of thing. But I think mostly I, I'm of the philosophy that, you know, it's really um, a quality over quantity type thing. And I know that most of the baked goods and sweets that my kids have had over their lifetime are going to be things that are scratch made. So for me, it kind of takes a little bit of the negative connotation out of it. And they also understand the the craft aspect of it, you know, what goes into making something from scratch and they appreciate that maybe more than a typical kid would. So all of that to say that our relationship with sugar in this household is uh, maybe a little different than than other people. <laughs> right. I think it's funny that you say that they have a different appreciation for it. Of course, my children are younger, but my husband always says to them, like, you have no idea how good you have it because we also always have homemade treats in the house. Mm -hmm. I have a baking and pastry background, although I don't use it much in my day job right now, but I still love to have baked goods at home. And like you, I feel like if it's homemade, I have less guilt around it. Mm -hmm. But I also love what you said about it being sort of this fluid thing where you may not have a set in stone policy about treats and that's okay. And it's, it's really great to approach um, sugar day by day based on what else is going on in your world and in your children's world. Absolutely. I know that the new book that you're working on is not necessarily about alternative sweeteners, but you wrote Real Sweet. Mm -hmm. Is it three years ago now? Yes. Mm -hmm. So can we talk about alternative sweeteners and um, sort of speak to the parents who listen about if they are trying to reduce added sugar in baked goods that they're making at home with their kids, what can they reach for? Like, what are your some of your favorites? What should we avoid? And specifically, I would love to know if stevia and agave are really as good as or as bad as we sometimes read that they are. Right. Well, those are a lot of different loaded questions. <laughs> I know. Um, the first thing that I would probably say is that. Um, when it comes to baking with alternative sweeteners, the easiest thing that you can do to sort of experiment with recipes, and I think that's what I found a lot of readers of this book um, or people who are wanting to get into using alternatives to white sugar want to do. They want to take like a birthday cake recipe that's beloved in their family and make it with a different sugar or a better sugar, higher quality, whatever you want to call it. Yes. So I always say the first step to kind of making that as successful as you can is swapping dry sugars for dry 
and liquids for liquids, which is to say, do not take a cake that runs entirely on white granulated sugar and try and put honey in it and then use some sort of table online to like equate the amount of sweetness. It's like, that's not really how it works. And you having a, a, a pastry background know as well as anyone that this is really about chemistry, right? Yes. So really what you want to do is swap out your white sugar for something like coconut sugar, which is dry and, and granulated, for instance. And that'll probably set you off a little bit. It's not going to turn out exactly like a white sugar recipe, but it'll get you closer to what you want. And then understanding that some alternative sugars are going to make a big difference in terms of browning, like honey. You put even a couple tablespoons of honey in something and it's going to get real brown. Yeah. So you have to kind of think about that. And I think other the, your other question as far as uh, stevia and erythritol and the, uh, I actually address it in the beginning of the book talking about those low calorie sugar substitutes or sugar alcohols, which have become really popular. I don't actually use those in the book and I don't keep them in my own kitchen. I don't have some kind of political reason behind it, but really I just don't like the taste. Stevia leaves a funny film in my mouth. And uh, these kinds of sweeteners, I think are good if you're going to sweeten your tea, not so much to substitute for sugar in a, a baked recipe. Um, so I just kind of avoid those altogether personally. Yeah. And I also find that they're significantly more expensive than yeah. other things like coconut sugar, which is like a great alternative to white sugar, but also more expensive than like the, the bag of domino sugar. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's like this misconception sometimes that alternative sweeteners are in general healthier, but I like how you frame it as like, it's about a, a quality over quantity kind of issue. Like if you're using coconut sugar and instead of granulated sugar, hopefully you're also able to use a little bit less of it too than you are using granulated sugar. Yeah. And the thing about the stevia or agave is like, like you said, using them in very small, small quantities in other places if you really feel compelled to use them. Yeah, I think in terms of agave, it's not really my favorite either. It's very, very sweet, first of all. So you, you're not getting sort of an equal amount of sweetness as you do from white sugar. I think it's like two or three times sweeter, if I'm remembering correctly. And I think agave also doesn't have much flavor. So I tend, if I'm going to use a liquid sweetener, I love honey and I love maple syrup. It's in terms of the glycemic index, going to be similar, although I think maple syrup is the lowest glycemic index of any liquid sugar. I don't really deal too much in that. I mean, this book, Real Sweet, was really more of a study in flavor than it was in nutrition. And that's something I sort of reiterate again and again in the book that, you know, this is just a way to sort of play with sugars. Um, it's not a book of health food or diet food. Although the first chapter in the book, I, I really am fond of, and that was a chapter that was very much inspired by my kids. Um, and these are the, the after school snacks, the lunchbox treats, the things that when you just feel like baking something, but you don't want to go overboard and make like, you know, a frosted cookie or something crazy. These are things that are your everyday snacks, everyday treats that are going to have a little less sugar. Um, there are things with dates and date paste. So there are things that kind of concentrate a little bit more on the sweeteners you use are going to actually have technically a, a little nutritional punch. So you can feel a little more virtuous. 
about certain recipes. Do you have a favorite of those recipes? Like one of my questions was if you have a favorite lower sugar baking recipe that your kids also love, or do they have a favorite from that section? Yeah, I think um, one of the things that we really love are the breakfast cookies. And we do actually make those and have those for breakfast. Those are great. They have, you know, whole grains and nuts and um, some good oils. Those are sweetened mostly with date paste. Um, and maple syrup. And date paste is basically when you soak dates, drain them, and puree them. And you get this intensely sweet paste that would be really great to use in a recipe that calls for uh, oil or maybe like an applesauce type cake recipe um, where you need a really kind of wet sort of sweetener. Date paste is a great thing to use. So I love the breakfast cookies. I love the, oh, this is also dates, which is amazing, the fake out caramel dip which you actually take dates with peanut butter and it, it, you know, you puree it all together. It really does taste like a caramel dip. That's great for, for fruit. And that, I mean, they'll put away pears and apples with that stuff. Like you wouldn't believe it's great. That is one of my favorite recipes from the book. Oh, thank you. And something that we make all the time. My son is, who's four, he's like very into dates. He will eat them straight up all the time. Yeah. My daughter thinks they look like bugs, which I feel like is fair. They look like roaches. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. So she won't eat them like straight up, but pureed with the nut butter as a dip or um, even in like a little oat bar, she will eat them up. Yeah. So do you think dates are your favorite sweetener? I'm sure this like depends on what you're baking because you you do so much of it. But Oh, it absolutely depends on on what I'm baking. I I love dates for things that are sort of those those energy snacks that you really want. So things um like the, what did I call them? The chocolate chip oatmeal raisin treats that are like the little date balls that are raw oats and raisins. And those give you like a really good, you know, those are great to throw in your bag. And then you're running around with your kids and someone's suddenly hungry. You give them a few of those and it's, it's a great, you know, energy boost. So dates are really wonderful in that way and that they're a very concentrated form of, of energy. And they also do have a nice sort of nutrient punch to them as well. So in terms right. of, of sugars, I mean, they're a fruit, but everybody knows they also, they are very high in calories. So you can't eat them without any, you know, thought whatsoever, but it's always the lesser of all the evils, right? It's about doing the best you can when you want something sweet. Certainly would rather, your body would rather have a date than a tablespoon of white sugar. <laughs> so, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And they taste better. It's a better dining experience than trying to drink some sugar. Totally. And then when it comes to trying to make things that are lower sugar, I find that concentrating more on spices is a really good trick. So, and and I don't just mean loading something up with more spices to make up for sugar. Uh, What I mean is more buying higher quality spices. So I'm really nuts about Vietnamese cinnamon, which is a lot of times if you go into a natural food store and you're lucky enough to be able to buy cinnamon in bulk, that's what they'll have in the big bulk jars. Um, you can also find it labeled as Saigon cinnamon. Some of the bigger brands label it as that now, and they charge you a little bit more for it, but man, is it worth it because it's really, really heady and spicy and it just tastes like the best cinnamon you've ever had. And actually, if you put a little on your finger and taste it, it almost tastes like Red Hot's cinnamon candy. It has a a sweetness Mm. to it. So you take something really simple that usually runs on cinnamon and you put this new cinnamon in it, it just like takes it over the, you know, over the top. Same thing with using freshly grated nutmeg rather than the dusty stuff in the can or 
springing for the really nice vanilla, which I know is insanely expensive right now. So it's harder to advise people to do that until the price comes back down. <laughs> but really good vanilla will make a huge difference in a recipe. And that gives you it, uh, a fragrance, which tricks you into thinking something is sweeter than it is. So that's a good way to sort of make sure that you don't feel like you're really depriving yourself of a, of a flavor eating experience if you're cutting back on sugar. Yeah, it's a different way to think of a treat too, mm-hmm. right? You're getting the sweetness from the cinnamon or the vanilla and it still feels festive, even if it really doesn't have a ton of processed sugar in it. On a practical level, do you have a place online that you like to buy your spices or your vanilla? I'm actually a really big fan of, like I said, going to the natural food stores or or whole foods or the bulk foods to buy my spices like cinnamon or nutmeg, simply because you can buy what you need. I mean, I go through probably more than the average person, but um, you know, you can keep it in your freezer and it's so much less expensive. You fill a little baggie with it and the flavor is better. You know it's fresh and you can buy just as much as you know you're going to use in six months time and then it doesn't lose its potency. As far as vanilla goes, there are great places to buy online. And I actually... Especially when I'm recipe testing and I need a lot of vanilla, I like the big bottle from Costco. I am a fan. I think it's good quality. And unless I am making, say, um, I'm making a vanilla buttercream or if I am making um, a pound cake, something that is very vanilla forward, that's what I'll save the really super expensive stuff for so that you can taste it and appreciate it. It doesn't make much sense to put like, your most expensive vanilla in like a brownie where you're really after the chocolate and the fudginess. You know what I mean? Right. I love that. It's again, just like that quality over quantity. When you're really going to taste the vanilla, that's the time to bust out the good stuff. Yeah. Especially how it, like I said, what it costs right now is just insane. I know. Yeah. Um, I do want to back up though and ask about you store your spices in the freezer. Yes, I do. So I, I mean, not, I do have a little, um, a, a spice rack like a, every other person does where I have like my really small canisters, but they are small. I mean, they hold probably, you know, two or three, just if like a few tablespoons, maybe a quarter right. cup. Um, and then the rest I'll, I'll sort of keep in the freezer to sort of refill. And that'll last a really long time in the freezer. But for, you know, there's some I'll go through faster than others. I mean, I'm since I write mostly baking recipes, it's a lot of cinnamon and a lot of nutmeg and ginger and things like that. Yeah. But I just love that for like home bakers, mostly parents who like don't get to bake every day like you and I do. Yeah. Um, if they want to invest in really nice cinnamon and they don't want to run around, like run to a specialty shop all the time to have that in the back of their heads that, oh, I can, you know, dose out a little bit of this in my spice containers for now and I can freeze the rest for future mm-hmm. use, especially when we're talking about getting into holiday baking, which I know a lot of people will start doing now as we get to the end of October um, and thinking about refreshing spices. Now's a good time to do it. And also like having the opportunity to free stuff is is brilliant and I've never had read that or heard that tip before so I love that for our listeners oh good we try to close out every show with what we call a try this at home and no pressure if you don't have an idea but is there something that um talking about sweets and feeding our families do you have any like one quick little tip that someone can try at home they're either trying to change their sugar intake with their kids or if they're trying to bake with less sugar or different sugar do you have a quick tip 
Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, where do I even begin? Um, I, I, <laughs> you probably have a million. I have a tip. I would probably say, let's say that we already talked about the uh, swapping dry for dry and liquid for liquid. Which I love. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the great sort of uh, gateway sugars, if you will, uh, something that people really find a lot of pleasure in baking with is dark muscovado sugar, yes. um, which is a very minimally, and some manufacturers, it's it's unrefined, but very minimally refined uh, brown sugar. It's what supermarket brown sugar kind of wishes it could be. It's It's the real deal. <laughs> like before the molasses is spun off and white sugar is created, you have dark muscovado sugar. So you have the, um, it's actually a very nutrient dense sugar because it's packed with molasses, uh, which has, you know, tons of iron and vitamins and good stuff. So I'd love to recommend muscovado sugar to people because so many of our favorite comfort foods are made with brown sugar and it's a one-to-one swap. It, it's, uh, a little bit moist, like brown sugar is. You pack, you know, you measure it just the same by packing it into your measuring cup, um, and you don't have to think about conversion at all. It just use it just like it. And I think whenever people have used this in just even chocolate chip cookies, it's like completely mind blowing. It's like whoa, like this is the flavor you're you're after when you're craving a chocolate chip cookie, you know. And so that's one that I always recommend to people. And uh, if you don't live in a place that has a big supermarket or a specialty market, although I've seen it in more places, surprisingly enough, you can find it online at really great prices. And uh, that's just one of those that's nice to have on hand. It is a sugar I love too. And you saying that reminds me that I don't have any or I haven't had any in my pantry in a while. And I love that. And I definitely am going to go and buy some for holiday baking because it is so incredibly fragrant and flavorful. And like you said, when you use it instead of brown sugar in a chocolate chip cookie, you get so much more caramelization and just like a deeper cookie flavor that might not make sense, but it does. It tastes exactly like what you imagine a chocolate chip cookie should taste like in your fantasies. Yeah, it's more satisfying um, it in those ways. And like you said, a gateway sugar, a gateway alternative sugar. baking. Because <laughs> <laughs> it makes you go, oh, what else is out there? You know, and then you can start playing with, you know, coconut sugar, which is a sugar that I really like. It, it's a nice swap for white sugar. Sometimes it can dry things out a little bit. Um, I actually like to use coconut sugar in candy making uh, for making uh, toffee and things like that. It has a really wonderful flavor. It comes from a completely different plant. So it's not going to be exactly like, you know, a cane sugar. Um, it has a very complex kind of smoky kind of flavor that's just really great. The only thing, if you're using it for candy, you have to know that it, it will burn 10 degrees sooner than white sugar. So right, you have to of kind of- Less moisture. Yeah, it's, it's the nature of the sugar. It's, it's the nature of the plant. So yeah. it's, it's not going to uh, caramelize. It, it'll caramelize sooner than cane sugar will. So as long as you know that going into it, it's really fun to make candies out of coconut sugar because it, people taste it and it, it can be something that looks familiar, but they're kind of like, oh, what is this? It's like so much more complex, you know? So that's a fun way to use um, coconut sugar. And then in talking about, uh, to circle back to dark muscovado for a moment, you know, we're heading into gingerbread season and pumpkin spice everything and, you know, dark muscovado sugar in a, a pumpkin bread or a gingerbread is just heaven. It's everything you want it to be. I love that. I And pumpkin bread, yes. 
everyone is like thinking that now and right. for the rest of the year. I could, I feel like I could talk to you all day about coconut sugar and geek out about candy making because that's right. one of my loves. <laughs> and I know that that's like very intimidating to other home bakers, but it is a good place to start for alternative sweeteners. So the muscovado and the coconut sugar are your two favorite starters for people. I would say, um, yeah. I mean, it's really, you could always get, you know, evaporated cane juice, which is a kind of one step less refined than white sugar. Um, it's essentially, you know, white sugar with just a little bit of molasses left in it. But if you really want to truly do something sort of alternative with tons of flavor, I would say the coconut sugar and dark muscovado for sure. I love that. And those are both pretty easy to find too. So those, that's a great direction to send people. Yeah. I mean, coconut sugar is absolutely everywhere now. When I first started working on this book, it was probably summer of 2013 because my son was like six weeks old when I wrote the proposal for this book. I remember like <laughs> nursing him and, and writing it because I had taken like my first post-baby outing to Costco, which we all remember because you're just like, oh my God, right? So yes. Whole ordeal. And I was there and I remember saw this woman picked up this huge bag of coconut sugar because Costco had just started selling it. I lived in California at the time. So coconut sugar really became a thing. It was very popular there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And um, I remember her looking at it for like the longest time and then just setting it in her cart. And I was like, she's going to put that in her coffee and then forget that she ever bought it. <laughs> And, but I know that there's cool stuff that you can do with it because I had played with it a little bit. And I was like, oh my God, I think I have another book to write. And then I went home and I started, you know, writing down ideas for, so it all really started with coconut sugar uh, in the beginning. And I love that it's like, it also includes your newborn son, that he was there with you. Right. And you're having this like real life mom moment of being, of watching another woman, like try to decide about this bag of coconut sugar. Yeah. I wonder if she knows that she inspired a whole cookbook. She does. I'm sure she doesn't. I'm sure she doesn't. I'm sure she doesn't. But wouldn't that be and nice you, to have someone tell you that? You'd be like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or, and your son, you know, be having that first outing with him. One day, hopefully he'll know and appreciate that he was part of that inspiration too. Oh, well, you know how they, he doesn't appreciate anything. <laughs> like, yeah, great. Yeah. He just likes that there's a picture of him in the book. As a, as a baby. Yeah. Um, and that there's cake and cookies and pie at the ready. Right. And uh, he likes to critique them all. That's the thing about having children. I mean, you know, when you, when they're asked at a very young age, what they think of something, you know, because I need opinions and they're usually the first thing to first people to try something, you know, and they, they get critical. It, they are not, they don't go easy on me at all. It's very funny. Before we leave you, I'm curious do you have a date for the newest book? Does it have a title yet? It does. It actually just has a title as of a couple of weeks ago. We've decided on a title. It's called Midwest Made, and it's going to be out fall 2019. So another year, which I can't believe. I'm like, another year? <laughs> it's such a long process. But of all the books I've written, this is one that I have put the most time into, and it has had the longest production period. But it's my most personal book. It has to do with the baking of the Midwest and stories and sort of the home baking culture and immigrant influences, which are really the basis for, for what we eat and what we enjoy in the region. And then how the baking of the Midwest really influenced American baking or what we think of as American baking, like as a whole, how a lot of it just stems from this part of the country that people don't sort of give enough credit to. So yeah. kind of hoping to change that with this book. I'm personally very excited for it. And I hope that people are following you on Instagram 
because you do occasionally share little snippets of what you're working on for the book. And we'd love yeah. to have you back when the book oh, comes out to talk thanks. more about it. Well, I would love to come back. I'm, I'm excited about it. This is a good, and it's been a good family um, sort of experience as well, kind of showing my kids, you know, where I grew up, because I'm from here, and having them kind of understand and eat things that they never ate where we moved here because they're California babies. So <laughs> it's been a fun experience. Good. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thank you for having me. This was really fun. I'm so glad we got it together. Please, like, if you do try some experiments, good or bad, and you want to share on social media, besides our listeners group, we are, like, we are on Instagram. Didn't I just feed you? Tag us. We want to see. We want to yeah. cheer you on or laugh at the fails with you because there might be some of those. We'll be tagging our own fails. For yes, sure. for sure. And now that you've listened to us, we want to listen to you. Give us a shout, say hi, ask questions, tell us what you want to cover. Email us at hello, didn't I just feed you.com. And again, find us on Facebook and Instagram at didn't I just feed you. And please, if you haven't already joined our listeners group, where we'll ask you a super secret question when you ask to join. And the answer is our favorite drink. Stacy, what is it? Whiskey. And most importantly, if you enjoyed listening to us today, please tell your friends about Didn't I Just Feed You and leave us a review on iTunes. It makes a really big difference for new podcasts like ours. And of course, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. A big thank you to you, our listeners. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Jim Endo. Also, thank you to our editor and his team at Counterweight Creative. This is Megan. And this is Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week.